This is CliffCentral.com. Sanbonan Nonke, welcome to the show. It is frankly speaking another hour of the hot potato issues facing South Africa. Thanks to Gareth and the gang. Rorisang Dubelang. Etada. Yo, it feels like it's been a long time since we've uh, seen each other. I've missed you, man. Derembarak. You know, um, parpar. Papar, mm. oh, Papar, when I was Spanish, I'm always saying again. No, I know, but Papar it's... is all of a sudden. Whenever there is an opportunity, all of a sudden, that's when you say Papar. You don't just greet me and say Papar. But that's what I'm saying. It's all of a sudden I'm seeing you. It's like it's 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 a Madala. It's Papar, mm. you know, like all of a sudden there you are. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm good, homie. How are you? I'm very good, very good. Interesting week uh, that's coming up and uh, busy things going on. We saw friends of friends buying things for many things. And lots of money. You know, if we knew this, eh, we should have taken um, Zwanelli money for a little bit more money. Do you think Gareth will? will do you think Gareth will sell us Club Central and also pay for it? Do you think that's a possibility? Listen, I think that this is a new way of doing business. Yes, and we should all be aware of it, and we should take pride in that these innovative financial structures are coming out are of coming South up. Africa. So I know? think. So I think when we're done here, let's have a meeting with Gareth. And find out if he will sell Cliff Central to us and make and then pay for it as well. Mm. Yeah, I think that is that is groundbreaking. <laughs> Do you think we'll make any money? <laughs> Gareth is balling, dude. <laughs> Have you seen his wheels? <laughs> Have you seen his wheels? All right, well and, and, and he can even inflate the price like by like three or four times. Oh, dude, that's a price. Eh? And then he can, he can also say that he hires 5,000 people. You know, media owners must be wondering what are they doing wrong eh? when they saw those <laughs> prices go out. Eh? Oh my God. Anyway, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. It is another episode of Frankly Speaking. Rory, what are we talking about today? What's going on? So it's been another interesting time in this country. Politically, things have gone crazy, absolutely crazy. Um, and... Well, in the past two weeks or so, we've seen uh, um, Dr. Makosi Koza, who we've interviewed mm. here before, um, getting fired as the head of the of uh, the chair of 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 one of the committees in Parliament, um, and we saw a whole minister disappear, like no one could find her. Mm. Um, you know, where was uh, Faith Mutambi? Uh, no one could find this minister anywhere. Mm. Um, and you know, one has to look at all of this and say, this just looks crazy. It's just insane. It really doesn't make sense. And that got us thinking around the con- uh, around just the thing of what is Zuma's end game here? Because this doesn't make sense. Mm. It really doesn't make sense that a minister would just decide not to pitch. W- like, what is she expecting is going to happen? Mm. And what is Zuma's end game? It seems like every time you think Zuma is about to get caught out he seems to slip out um and there are a lot of different scenarios and conspiracies that are making the rounds around mm-hmm. what is zuma's plan going forward mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. uh we want to just discuss each of those uh, conspiracy theories and say uh, which one is it likely to be which one is plausible i mean there's the dubai option that we've heard of that he's he's got a house in dubai and you know the moment he gets the opportunity he is getting out of here mm-hmm. um, as a potential end game or is his end game really just the end game of everyone else is that hey guys 2019 i'm done i go and i retire i've got a i've gotten kandla I go retire and I live happily ever after with my family. Is his end game going to be defined by the courts um, when they find him guilty uh, of corruption charges? Is that a potential end game? Mm-hmm. Um, there have been other things about maybe he wants to do a third term. 
uh, and actually he's just decided that he loves uh, he loves power Maybe a little bit too much. he's the next benevolent leader, huh? Yeah, benevolent <laughs> or not, he just think he he enjoys this power thing a little bit much, and he's decided that he's going to do a third term, and uh, and you know s- screw everyone else, and mm. he's he's now about to become. Um, the Rwandan president for South Africa always going to become Mugabe, you know, figure out how to change the constitution or mm-hmm. not, and just say I'm sticking around a little longer. There's also the end game scenario that um, we decide that you know, look, you have messed up enough as it is. Uh, why don't you just retire, take a seat, and we are not going to charge you. We're mm-hmm. not. You're safe, but just can you, you know, for the sake of. Everyone, like, you have done enough right now. For the sake of our sanity. For the sake of our sanity, just take a break. We Mm -hmm. won't charge you, but just, you know, just just resign. Um, Yeah, and there's there's, there's other ideas around maybe he wants to do a state of emergency. He has said before that, you know, all I need is just two, three days to be a dictator. He said Mm -hmm. that. He's on on record as saying, all I need is two to three days to be a dictator, and I will sort all of this out. And a state of emergency could actually give him those powers because basically in a state of emergency, you say, you know, based on a riot or something, I say, you know, we were suspending some of the Mm, constitutional constitutional. provisions and he gets to do anything he wants. Obviously, there's certain processes that need to be followed to get there. Um, it can't, you, obviously, you can't have a state of emergency for longer than 30 days. Mm. But all he needs, he said, is just give me three days. <laughs> and uh, in that three days, throw a few people, some nosy analysts that he, he doesn't like, like with the one we have in studio. Mm-hmm. Um, go after Andrew because he says all the nasty things, you know. Uh, go after Gareth Cliff because uh, we know we're sick and tired of Gareth Cliff. Rory's cool. Rory, Rory, Rory. Oh, you survive. I, I get to survive. Oh, this is my there's scenario. Some, there's, some, <laughs> there's some stories this, here. This right? is my scenario. What do we not know here about you, Rory? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so this is another one of the scenarios. Or he basically, in December, ANC elective Congress, um, he gets to he gets to um, he gets to uh, show up. And uh, his his president, whoever he wants, becomes president. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Nkosazana Dlamini Zuma becomes president, and she protects him, and he gets to go off to Ngandla and relax. So there are all these conspiracies. We're not sure. This is like a, an episode of Mythbusters. Jeez. We don't know which ones are plausible. We don't know which ones are true, which ones are likely to happen, and we want to explore all of these things. What is this man thinking? Because some of the things that are happening are just so crazy. Like, but where does this guy think this is all going to end up? Mm. And obviously, Andrew, between the two of us, I'm not sure we're smart enough to deal with these things. So we had to get somebody who is at least a little bit smarter than us. Well, the question is, have we missed any as well? And I think that's where we'd love to hear from you as well. Hit us up on Twitter at Rory Shabalala or at Yebo underscore uh, L-E-V-Y. You can also hit us up on WeChat uh, at Cliff Central. Do you have any conspiracy theories about what Zuma's endgame will be? Uh, the brilliant, the wonderful, the amazing Ralph Matecha is in an in studio. And, you know, I just thought he was an analyst. I'm not going to give away what other interests he have. You know, we had Jimmy, uh, sorry, Mzwanele, Mzwanele here once and he said his interests, he had different 
business interests other than being. That was many years ago. And it was many years before ago. Before he say, was yeah. a media mogul. Exactly. Before he was a billionaire. Um, <laughs> and, and now Ralph has said the same thing. So now I'm wondering what's going on here. Either there's a connection, there's a I deep connection. To, I need to know? defend Ralph. To, to no, be fair, no, Ralph no, didn't on, say. Ralph didn't say he owns a media company that's like worth 500 million rand. But what I'm saying is there's there's some kind of connection. Maybe the Guptas are listening because. Either the person gets prosecuted, who we interview, or they get empowered. So now Ralph's got a decision. He's got to decide what does he want to do. Does he want to get empowered by the Guptas, or does he want to get prosecuted by them? It's Ralph, just Ralph is a problem. He, he, he speaks truth, and as a result, he's probably going to get prosecuted. Poor mm. guy. In that scenario, mm. he's in the back of the van with you. You know, I will be here doing the show on my own. I will, I will do a shout out you to you guys. You seem like you're very happy being by yourself there. Right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you definitely know something we don't. Ralph, Dumelang uh, Ntate. Dumelang Ntate, and uh, good to be here. It is so nice to have you here. You are one of our favorite analysts. Um, we, we've had Ralph on a few times talking mm. about his book, talking about the politics of the country. Uh, a very interesting man. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank thank you. you for your time today. Thanks for coming out of the shadows. I mean, Ralph has been in the shadows. He's been he studying, hasn't man. Been, he's been studying mm. and everything. So we really appreciate him coming out of the shadows for us. Thank you. So, Ralph, let's jump right into it. Um, this is a big question. What is Zuma's endgame? And we'd like to address each of these uh, conspiracies uh, systematically. But just, let's start off with... Um, your view of just what is his end game? Well, I think that uh, President Jacob Zuma is a long-term planner. If you look at how he came about, you look, you go far back to 2007. Uh, he always has a long-term plan on on how to actually win. And the problem is that observers come along to look at what he's doing. They get bored. And then they chuck out and he continues and new observers come in, formulate uh, theories around what he's all about. They get tired of it and then they quit and he continues. He's a long-term player. And I think that uh, what I think he's up to now, it's uh, the project of actually making sure that he installs a leader within the ANC. And he's almost there. We are talking about a few months before the elective conference of the ANC. Mm. And what I think is even fascinating about this is that, you know, if you listen to what people are saying within the public space, and, and you guys know that I'm, I'm, I'm a critique of half-cooked ideas. You know, I don't like people, uh, you know, waking up whimsically <laughs> and saying that uh, President Jacob Zuma is weak, is is living. Uh, he's going to be chucked out next month and so and uh, sometimes I, I I write on these things and mm. I switch off my phone and I say to people let me know when he switches off the light and I'll come back and talk about him again mm. Mm. and he will still be there so he's a mm. long term player and I think that uh, the bigger part of the game now he has appropriated internal processes of the ANC he controls the NEC of the ANC but that does not mean people cannot make noise against him. When mm. you are in charge, you need to let people the space to breathe, mm. you know, to go mm. sulk and throw tantrums mm. about you and so forth. And uh, you don't win all battles. You don't prioritize all battles. But mm. where it matters, you come back strong. Uh, you guys already spoke about uh, Makosi Koza, what has happened in parliament. It's one of the things that actually frustrated people. Because people were saying that, uh, you know, President Jacob Zuma is not doing well. He's got all these cases and so forth. Yeah. 
And that's when he really excels. Look at this thing. He goes to parliament. It's motion of no confidence. He succeeds. Mm. And after succeeding, he realized that what can I do for fun also? Mm. Because I think he also likes fun as well. I mean, you know he what enjoys pe- this. You know what people forget about our, our great president mm. is... He's a master strategist. I mean, yeah. he was the captain of the chess club on Robben Island. He, <laughs> is, he, is, a renowned, exactly. he is a renowned chess player. <laughs> he, exactly. And I mean, we joke about it like, oh, you, you know, you, Andrew, what are you talking about chess games? And so, Chess is a oh, strategy he's a game. He's you a lose players. You, you, you sacrifice pawns. Yeah. You keep your enemies close. You keep exactly. Your, you know, and it, it, he is playing the most beautiful chess game exactly. that I've ever seen. And exactly. it's just fantastic to watch, actually. Exactly. As, as, as criminal as it is it is fantastic to watch as a fellow chess player i mean he has all the fun i mean uh, he goes back to parliament after the motion he says what am i gonna do you know calls mr montage said that you know what you have to stop this noise that you are making calls mr jackson tembu and says to him chief i want you to go to get rid of one of your caucus members Mm. because he calls problem tembu no we cannot do it mr president said you're going to do it. Mm. And then it's been done. Orchestrate been a mutiny within yeah. the ANC where people start defying Makosi Kosa. It's not about the substantive part of it. The motion has passed and everything. It's about showing the message to say that, hey, there's a little fun that I can have also squeeze out of this. So mm. he's in this long term and we need to understand very well. He works diligently within ANC's internal processes. Mm. He doesn't have to stand up himself and do all the work. He's not messy. Yeah, you, you'll hear people from KZN start talking about stuff as if it's a joke, that we're going to discipline Magosi Goza, and people dismiss it. And we say to people, it's going to happen. Mm. And it happens. So uh, the problem is that observers, and I include myself, we are guilty of underestimating what President Jacob Zuma is repeatedly. Up to. I you mean, know, we this are man guilty came of doing in, that. Repeat, this man came in and uh, he was just written off as yeah. this guy who is from Gandla, not smart enough, and so on. Mm. He has lasted. They've thrown everything at him, including yeah. the kitchen sink. He's still standing while exactly. all the people that have criticized him, including Julius Malema, yeah. are sitting on the outside. Uh, mm. Can't believe that this man is still standing. Exactly. That's, that, that is his strength. He, he focuses. It's all about focus. You're speaking about chess. It's about, you know, watching the game very well, very closely, looking at the lineup there on your chessboard and, and, and allowing other players to make their move. You're looking at long term mm-hmm. and you need to understand what constitutes a short term victory that you don't need or short term battle that you don't need to focus much on. And I think the end game guys here, it's about 2017. That is very critical. It's about him installing the leader that he wants. And oh, that is it. Let's let's talk about this because there's a number of end games here. And if you've just joined the show, welcome to it. We're speaking, frankly speaking, what is Zuma's end game? And we've got the brilliant uh, Ralph Motecha, uh, Motecha in here with us. Ralph, you lo- you're smiling at me like I've pronounced it so no. badly that no, <laughs> it doesn't even sound well. like so no, you're anymore. doing well. You're doing very well. <laughs> so we're talking about uh, the different uh, end games and you've now mentioned the one which is to say, hey, we need to get, um, we, need to, we need to have his person um, put in place by the end of 2017. Help us along as to what that looks like. It's a proxy, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a situation of saying, well, if I get my proxy in, then I can walk away and I'm okay. Exactly. That's what he wants. But it, it's also done in a complicated manner. 
two years ago, had we spoken about this two years ago, we'll be talking about just an individual who will do the bidding for President Jacob Zuma when he's gone. Mm. But we also need to be honest. This has been elevated to a very serious political project. For a member of ANC at a branch level, it's about choosing, opting for someone who can challenge the system. Because what President Jacob Zuma has done was to say that, uh, look, I want to give you someone who's going to challenge the system. You know, the system being... Uh, the dominance of private sector, the dominance of capital in South Africa. It's no longer just about a person. So when you are making a choice, when you are considering who to go for as an NC member, that proxy that President Jacob Zuma wants has become someone who will be inheriting another political project which entails taking it up to capital, actually bringing about transformation. Initially, it, it was just a person. We will just be talking about a favorite person, about the ex-wife and so forth. But now, in all honesty, it's a political project. And the other, the other option that you have is the one that says that, okay, fine, you can opt for people who want to pursue the incremental. You know, people who will go to the table and negotiate a little bit. Mm. And that is how uh, Cyril Ramaphosa's candidacy is actually being understood. Sure. Someone who understands business, someone who's unreasonable. And President Jacob Zuma is saying, we have been reasonable enough. We need someone who's going to push against this thing. And that person is Nkosazana Dlamini Zuma. But his actual intention is to make sure that the person, uh, if that person is compelled to preside upon prosecution of President Jacob Zuma, he need a reluctant prosecutor. It's, it, Rory, this is so funny because it's like we're watching Trump and the American elections all over again, you know, where mm -hmm. Trump is rising to power. And because of Lamini Zuma, we mm -hmm. all know what happened at the AU. It was mm -hmm. disappointing to say the least, you know. Exactly. And we're watching her campaign and it's quiet and it's, it's all over the place. And we're seeing Cyril and he's got these posters and blah, blah, blah. And we're thinking Cyril's the guy. But it's, we're about to see a huge train smash because of what yeah. you're talking about, the incremental. Yeah. You know, Cyril's just like, well, it's going to be incremental. But, um, uh, let, let's challenge because we're going mm -hmm. to test all the other scenarios yes. as well. Right. Let, let, let's test the validity of the scenario that NDZ. So so the assumption, as as I hear it mm -hmm. from Ralph, is that Nkosazana Dlamini Zuma will be installed. That's his end game is to install Nkosazana Dlamini Zuma, but it's not just about her. It's become a project, so it's about her and an entire organization, basically, mm. of mm. people that are going to make sure. And the primary aim there is make sure that 783 charges never see the light of day against uh, President Zuma. Now, what is the likelihood that Ngozana Lamini Zuma could be that person? She seems very meek. She, she, she's never been one. We've never heard her ruffle feathers and so on. What is it that makes you believe that she is this person that is all of a sudden going to begin to disrupt the system when she doesn't have a, a history of disrupting it, whether in the ANC, whether outside, whether at the AU? She's just, she's very meek and quiet. How, how do you arrive at that? Of course, she's inheriting a political camp that exists within the ANC. It has been created for her for that convenience. All she has to do is to take the script and read it out loud. There are bigger players at party level who will be who will do that. pulling the strings as well and, and, and pushing this idea. And I'll tell you, uh, we are very dismissive uh, as a nation. You know, the idea that actually someone can win the elective conference of the NC based on radical economic transformation. Mm. And those who are so dismissive about this idea, I'm not saying that is going to succeed, 
but it does have traction. Look at the level of poverty in South Africa. Mm. Look at the race relations that we are having in South Africa. Race relations, uh, you look at the relations between different races and so forth. And if you look at all that, it, 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 it gives this idea of radical economic transformation. Credence. And, 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 and mm. as you and I are speaking, no one is actually willing to deny or dispel the entire idea. What we have, what we've been doing without even realizing is to present our own versions of that. Our you desired know, versions. Our desired versions. Yeah. And if, if I propose something, I say that we need to pursue this policy. We need to go to the moon. Uh, we need to do it in about uh, five minutes. People start by saying it's a crazy idea, but by the end of the week they say that, Ralph, we think what is crazy is five minutes, but we can try seven minutes. <laughs> mm. I've succeeded. Yes. Because I've succeeded in a sense that I've been able to put a project within society. So the whole project of radical economic transformation, it's there. It has been put within the NCSA political project. How leaders are going to be assessed will be the extent to which they maybe they're pushing forward mm. and their own versions. Mm. But this is yeah. the interesting thing about own versions, because I think a lot of people share that sentiment in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not talking about p- politicians. You yeah. know, If you go to the average South African black person who struggled through a part and now is free and economically sees still this capital held by white people, mm-hmm. you'll probably find a lot of people going, yeah, I do want radical economic transformation. It hasn't happened yet. And now who's going to give that to me? You know, And then you're like, oh, but President Zuma, he's so corrupt and whatever. You're like, yeah, but hold on a second. I still don't have, yeah. I still don't have anything. You know? I, mean, I mean, Andrew, I go around the country having discussions with people various sectors, universities, I participate in discussions, you know, uh, private sector companies, the banks, I go talk to them openly. Ralph's name dropping right you now. Know, I, I discuss. <laughs> I discuss openly South African politics. And I'll tell you something that is very clear. No one is denying the whole idea that you need radical economic transformation. Mm. What people are doing is to come up with an acceptable vision. Who planted that idea as a political project as part of a way to decide as to who is going to dominate, who might get elected within the ANC? It is President Jacob Zuma. Mm. You cannot say he has not been successful with that regard. Even Cyril Ramaphosa, who has been seen as a detractor to President Jacob Zuma, he's already saying that uh, we need radical economic transformation, but we don't want the one that is going to enrich uh, cronies and so forth. So it it is stuck with us. So Mm. at the end of the year, towards the end of the year, when the ANC elective conference sits, that is going to be one of the main deciding issues. And if you go around our township, you look at the level of desperation among majority of black people, you realize that that thing has got traction. Whether or not it has got any substantive meaning, it's another issue altogether. Yeah. Yeah. The reality is that we have that narrative that is going to be very dominant. And Gosanat Lamini Zuma has actually uh, been put up to appropriate that to run with that idea. But is it, is it, uh, so I want us to touch on the other scenarios, but is the the, the, the the elective Congress going to be won on the basis of policy positions? Because that is not a national election. That is that is branches, that is lobbying, that is brown paper bags. Yeah. Is that election going to be won on the basis of political uh, uh, policy positions or is it going to be won simply by uh, brown paper bags like previous previous ones have been won? 
it is becoming increasingly difficult to distinguish between policy position and brown paper bags. <laughs> because why I'm saying that is because uh, policy positions are proxy narratives on, on brown paper bags. Mm. Uh, it doesn't mean if you commit to ideology, they need not be. A brown, brown paper, paper bag to support we, exactly to, to prop it up a bit. I yeah. mean, I, I I attended the ANC policy conference. I spent about six days there. Uh, I think it was in June, mm. and uh, members of ANC spent about six days arguing as to whether their problem is white monopoly capital or monopoly capital. <laughs> that tells you the strength. Of, mm. of these ideological positions. There are those that are going to look at those ideological positions genuinely. Mm. But it does not necessarily mean those who will be elected out of that are, are genuinely committed to that. This is politics, gentlemen. Yes. It's very complex. It's about how narratives are being used, actually, to push particular uh, political positions. You cannot uh, uh, deny that. I, I will actually even go further to say these ideologies, these proxy ideologies are not only limited to the NC. They're going to go to opposition parties as well. Mm. Towards 2019 election, parties are going to have to define themselves also in relation to this thing of uh, radical economic transformation. Last question on this particular scenario. You speak as in this scenario, we frame Gosazana Tlaminizuma as an object that is simply going to carry forth mm-hmm. an existing project. But she's a smart woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, how How is it that we position her as just an object and not a subject in this matter? Is she not? Mm-hmm. I mean, one imagines that um, the former public protector, Tulima Donzela, was assumed to be uh, another pliable person. One assumes that the current Chief Justice, Mohueng Mohueng, was assumed because these, these were Zuma appointments. Um, and then they occupied these positions and they, and they began to have minds of their own. Why do we believe that Nkozana Tlamini Zuma, a woman who had enough resolve to leave that marriage uh, with, mm. with, with Jacob Zuma, would all of a sudden come in and just carry on with the project uh, and be a passive observer. What is it? Mm-hmm. It's almost, it, it doesn't gel with this image we have of her as a smart, intelligent woman who is self-made and who left Jacob Zuma effectively, you know? Rory, I'm, I'm so glad you're raising this question because uh, of all interviews I've done on this, no one has ever asked that question as to the agency, as to who is this Nkosana Dlamini Zuma. Mm. And you are raising this thing very well because I think that uh, we don't know much about her. She has never done anything incredibly bad. Neither has she done anything incredibly good. Mm. This is someone that mm, 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 we, 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 we have not even bothered to characterize how she could actually behave. Now that you ask this, I'll give you this scenario. She needs to win the ANC elective conference. And she knows how it's going to be won or lost. It's going to be around the factions that exist. You go with the stronger faction and therefore you are assumed to believe in the uh, the narratives and those ideological positions of uh, the faction. But as you are saying, uh, let me indulge you on what I'm thinking about uh, her. Mm. There is a possibility that she can actually betray these people. Once mm. after the fact, yes. Once she secures the ANC presidency, we don't know which way what she's way, gonna yeah. go. You correctly stated there, she has never shown any commitment to ideologies. She has been a pragmatist as best. She has she has served different uh, a president. I think she might Since have served under Mandela, under yeah. mm. Tabombeki, mm. under President Jacob Zuma as well. Mm. By the way, she has never been a Zuma fan. 
Yes. In politics, you know, observation, she has never been. But uh, yeah. to, to challenge that a little bit, you mm-hmm. spoke about this being more than the individual. Yeah. Even if she was to say, go rogue, you know, mm-hmm. go against the plans mm-hmm. of Zuma, the Guptas, and everyone else involved, right? She would need to convince a lot of people that have got huge skin in the game to also go rogue and change things around. I, right? I, I was gonna come to that. Okay. I was gonna come to that in Apologies, a sense. Apologies, help me. No, no, no. It's a very good question as well because uh, the thing is that I just wanted to ask a good question as well. I want to keep you <laughs> caught to Rory, you know. No, the, the, uh, you nailed it. And the thing is that uh, she does not own her campaign. It's a campaign that she's stepping into. Mm. It has been created by factions and so forth. And the reality and the difficulty is that she might want to be her own woman. She's a smart woman. If you get an opportunity to be the first woman president in South Africa and you are stuck with the likes of uh, David Mabuza and Ace Makashule as your allies at party level, <laughs> the thing is that they're going to try to pull strings. They're going to try to control you at party level. Mm. But it does not mean that you have to deny them the patronage that mm. they wanted well, out mm, of there. Mm. There is a false idea in South Africa that uh, if you have patronage, you do not have delivery. That's wrong. Yes. You can have corruption. You can have patronage. You can have rent-seeking. You can still have delivery of services. It does not mean they don't go together. I will take you across the countries United that States we have observed. Everywhere, yeah. Go to Tanzania. Go to Rwanda, for example. Rwanda has got yes. a very interesting Kagame there. One of the most respected person. But no one gets to know what, what, what Kagame is all about. A lot about his administration. There is a lot of secrecy. Mm. There is a lot of uh, 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 corruption there happening in, in, in Rwanda. But, but when you go, extra, it does extra work. Judicial killings and exactly. Mm. But in South Africa, I think we are caught in this thing of choosing between evil and good. And when you look at Laminizuma, Laminizuma could actually say to some of the people within the party that, okay, boys and girls, uh, you want a little bit of a piece of cake. You've brought me. Fine. Hold on to this. But I have a history to make here. I want to deal with the question of unemployment while I'm at it. There will always be Mr. and Mrs. 10%. Mm-hmm. Who wants 10% of the deal on, 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 on procurement, on government procurement and so forth. You can have, I'm not encouraging it. I'm just an observer. I've seen how state works and I've seen how mm. uh, 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 you can actually institutionalize corruption without allowing it to undermine state capacity altogether. Yeah. You it's know, a, look at China, look at, the, we've observed states all, across, all over. Yeah, so mm. back to your question, she can renege on the Monday. She can say to them that, I'm not giving you 10%, guys. I can only give you 7% on the deals mm. if you give me the space to solve some of to the problems and make history. So it's not unthinkable that uh, she can actually become her own person. But I also think that there is no honesty. We are not honest enough also as observers because we are also interested in presenting scenarios that are acceptable. Mm. We shouldn't do that. It should be about uh, as a political analyst, as a political scientist, I'm going to give you the gory scenarios. It's, it's, even if the players might be listening, they might not have those strategies. It's none of my business. Mine is to outline how it's likely to happen. Mm. 
So we are speaking, frankly speaking, what is Zuma's end game? We are sitting with political analyst extraordinaire, Mr. Ralph Mataka himself. Um, I feel so like we're in we're in political church right now. Huh? Well, it's uh, it's it's uh, we've been doing political poli- analysis church. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so we, we've looked at we've looked at one scenario. I feel like we that's, should be clicking. That, yeah. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's the so so we've just looked at a scenario that that Ralph believes is the strongest and most plausible scenario. Which is that uh, Zuma will push to get Nkosana Lamini Zuma appointed uh, or elected as the next ANC leader, and basically she will do his bidding and most importantly ensure that the 783 charges against him never see the light of day. Now, there are other scenarios, and, and, and Ralph, indulge us a bit on these other scenarios that have come up on possibly what might be alternative. Um, um, end game scenarios, and we'd love to hear why you think these are weaker mm-hmm. uh, possibilities to the one that you have said you think is the most plausible one. So, there is Dubai. There have been there have been stories. The Gupta leaks have revealed that he has asked uh, uh, President Zuma has asked for patronage. Mm-hmm. Um, in 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 the in the in what the does Arab, that even mean? It, it it just simply means I, I am I'm looking to establish a household. In Dubai, um, and he sent the leader of that. I can't remember if it was the Emirate or whatever. And he sent it, and I hope you will, you will offer me my patronage as uh, your your patronage or your support as I go about setting up. I've, and the story is that there's a house there that is his house, and so the the, the scenario here is that he wa- deep uh, deep in the night one day he bundles all of his family into a private jet. And heads out of here, never to be seen again. Escaping charges, going to live a life happily ever after as Mugabe's next door neighbor in Dubai. Ralph, why don't you think that's a plausibility? It's certain, it's certainly something, even I think Julius Malema has raised that and said, he said there's money being siphoned out of the country. Dubai is a destination. We keep hearing of all sorts of ministers and commissioners yeah. of SARS mm. heading to Dubai. It's like Dubai has become the U- new union buildings. I think um, they like shopping as well because the airport is just a huge shopping mall. It's, it's a huge shopping mall as well. So, <laughs> so, so, so are they just going for shopping or is this a plausible scenario that, you know what, Zuma's game is that, the moment he can get out of here safely and he feels he has enough money, he's getting out of here so that he never has to face justice. I think that uh, if you look at uh, President Jacob Zuma's leadership, you look at the whole proliferation uh, proliferation of state capture, we are almost getting to a point where we might just want to leave him alone without telling him we want to leave him alone. Mm. We might not want to declare, but I think the appetite to kick him out of the country, it's, it's, it's not that high. Mm. I understand people are angry and so forth. People are upset within the ANC about his leadership and so forth. But I don't see him going into exile. I don't see him uh, disappearing mm. altogether. I don't actually, let me put this out. I don't think that... Uh, ANC members are willing to see President Jacob Zuma uh, going to exile in Dubai. It, uh, yeah, I wonder if it's Why? not. 
I'm just wondering, just to, yes. to add to this, Rory, I wonder if this is not, you know, because when we, when we talk about patronage and Dubai as a, as an option, right? We're thinking directly after he leaves, yeah. that'll be that. And he's going to pack up and bundle and go, right? Mm. I wonder, you know, think going back to our chess analogy, yeah. right? He's put a, a bishop mm-hmm. on the left hand side of the board and it's, it's away from everyone and it's deep, deep in his own quarter. But it's, 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 it's very, it's very much in an attacking position. And if needs be, he can always use it at some stage. So what I mean by that is if he resi- if he finishes his term and Kosasana comes in, she does her thing. And then out of nowhere, the DA wins, right? Plausible. Mm-hmm. Okay. The next elections, the DA wins. And then whoever the DA leader is there, let's hope it's, uh, Magashulagana mm-hmm. is, is, uh, comes in and says why, why are you putting your political cards on the table no i'm just saying him that I'm is not individual let it be said that is not the official <laughs> position of the show or of this channel <laughs> i'm saying rather him than muzi my yeah, i'm just Chief, saying, I'm I'm just saying right? okay Please so anyways <laughs> so what i'm saying is that then he says no i'm, I'm i want to go after zuma for all the things he did 10 years ago i want to go after him and simply moves his bishop all the way to Dubai, and that's it. Done. Finished. Well, we can't deny it. It's not impossible. It's just highly unlikely mm. that he was going to go for that option. I don't think he will need to get to that option. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, the emphasis here is that uh, President Jacob Zuma is almost casting himself as a hero against uh, uh, what some within the NC are calling white monopoly capital. And we know that there is maybe 5% of the truth in that. The entire 95% that actually maybe dominate his position is because of the troubles he finds himself in. Mm. He has politically identified something that will give him a lifeline within South Africa. I, I, I think as well that uh, within the ANC itself, by the time we are done with all this state capture and everything else, the private sector will have lost a great deal of integrity. As we speak, you and I, SAP, which was seen to be a company that has integrity, KPMG, McKinsey, you name them. We're talking about 200,000 emails, uh, ladies and gentlemen. And I think that if I did my math well, 200,000 uh, 200, emails, releasing each email, one email per day, you're talking about 54 years of emails coming out. <laughs> of course, they will be coming much closer. Mm. But if emails are released openly without selection without filtering what goes to the public the private sector is going to be in problem remember the private sector in this country knows how to be corrupt than amateurs such as president jacob zuma and some within the nc Mm. they they have actually transformed themselves from the previous administration to actually survive the same company exactly they did that so when the picture is painted, when someone put that picture at the end, you're going to realize that uh, President Jacob Zuma is just an amateur. It's like somebody who went into a big supermarket and stole a packet of peanuts, whereas someone left with a truck full of grocery <laughs> through the back door. <laughs> and you're going to... Uh, you'll start I knew doing... that they never worried about my Fanta orange that I used to drink at Pink and Pernod. You're going to start doing cost-benefit analysis as a nation as well. Do we pursue this man? Do we set our criminal justice to pursue in this man? And I think that if you look at uh, the role that he has played 
within the liberation as well. He talks very fondly about it. Yes. Every two minutes you you see him, you talk to him, he will just delve quickly into Swaziland and yes. all the time. It's gonna give you. He will sing a, a song. He will sing a song that exactly. was only sung in the trenches. Exactly. And, will, yeah. and and l- let us be honest about how South Africans actually feel about uh, these transgressions by President Jacob Zuma. There is. Quite a number of people in this country that emotionally sympathize with him. Mm. It does not mean they agree mm. and they condone that, mm. but they emotionally sympathize. We, we with are them. a very forgiving nation, aren't we? Exactly, we are. I mean, look, if we could have gone through what we have gone through, and then when mm. democracy came about, took people from the previous administrations from the previous regimes and so forth quickly rehabilitated them into the new system where they started demanding even more human rights <laughs> it's unstoppable how much we can achieve in our forgiveness <laughs> so i still want to know well, then why does he have a house in in dubai uh, let us remember probably yeah, to as, go as, shopping as, here and as, there as 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 uh, as as um, immortal mm-hmm. as he seems to be, even the great Ugandan dictator yes. Idi Amin uh, found himself having to flee mm-hmm. uh, his country of uh, Uganda and having to flee to Libya and then to Saudi Arabia. This is, I mean, Idi Amin was a man larger than life. Yeah. Right? He was probably much larger than life than Jacob Zuma. Do you know Idi Amin's uh, title? Conqueror of the British Empire. In, 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 in Amin's general, Field Marshal. Idi Amin's official title was His Excellency, <laughs> His Excellency President for Life, Field Marshal Al Haji Dr. Idi Amin Dada, VC, DSO, MC, Lord of all the beasts of the earth and fishes of the sea, and conqueror of the British Empire in Africa in general and in Uganda in particular. In particular. That is Idi Amin. He fled. Yeah. So who is Jacob Zuma who only goes by just President Jacob Getletlegis? Zuma. No, but you're missing one thing. It's not impossible, mm. but it's almost like a last resort. There's still interesting battle that he will fight before resorting to that. Because, yeah. It's not impossible that mm. he's going to do that. But I also think that uh, you need to understand as well that uh, you might need to take residency in other areas in order to stash money there. It could be the case that uh, maybe the whole Dubai project it's not meant for him to stay there. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I can buy a five million house as long as you allow me to stretch five billion in it. Okay? <laughs> then you can be able account. to do that. So the, 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 the attitude of those Gulf states, if you like, regarding where money comes from, it's not the same as uh, us. It's not the same the as Western other, world, other yeah. West, the Western world. They don't ask this kind of question. So uh, what's wrong with uh, the plan of someone saying that, you know what? Maybe I want to stash the money there. But I think that when it comes to fighting political battle, he will be more willing to fight those political battle here. President Jacob Zuma survived from 2007. People have been saying next week is his last week, mm. writing obituaries and so forth. We will be naive to think that he has pulled off this by himself. Mm. There are collaborators within this project. Globally. Globally and even locally. Mm. And those collaborators are the ones that are going to be reasonable men and women when it comes to what you do. And when he starts speaking, he has not begun speaking, by the way. He has been quite giggling and so forth. Mm. And he said, one day I'll speak. When he starts speaking, 
you, I think some of the kids are going to find it very difficult to look at their parents that dad, mom, how could you have been involved in that? As well? mm. Exactly. It's a bigger project that uh, certainly people will think about the consequences. It will be very difficult for people to just feed him to maybe the DA, if you like. All right, we're speaking about all the different uh, in-game scenarios for President Zuma, and we'd love to hear your thoughts as well. Hit us up on Twitter and Facebook and Cliff Central, WhatsApp, and a whole bunch of other things. Uh, it's Rory Shabalala and Yebo underscore L-E-V-Y on Twitter. You can uh, let us know what you think about what Ralph Matecha our studio guest is talking about right now. We've been speaking about um, the proxy. We spoke about Dubai. Let's talk a little bit about the one that I think a lot of people are concerned about, specifically the middle class. And you had such a beautiful saying about who the middle class are and where they are in life. But the middle class, there's this, this anxious tension around President Zuma taking a third term. We saw Mbeki... Yeah potentially meddling in that way and, and pushing himself towards that. And that's why, if, you know, that was the narrative. That's why we need to remove him because he thinks he's bigger than the political yeah. project. Yeah. Do you think Zuma's got it that, that he wants to actually take a third term? Third and term do you of think what? Of, of the ANC or third term of like Well, that's a good question. Or or I, think, I think there's two, right? He wants to be the president of the country forever. I think there's two, right? There's, there's, there's one of saying, could he want or does he want to take a third term of being president of the country? Yeah. Failing that, does he want to take the presidency of the ANC and let all these proxies do whatever they want for time and memorial, and he just stays the ongoing president? Let me tell you a little bit about the middle class in South Africa. Let me offend the middle class. Um, Ralph, please don't offend. You know, don't offend to, Rory. To be please offended. don't offend Rory. I am not please. in the middle class. So I'm just going oh, to. I'm going to. Class. He's upper class. You know, he's upper class. Sorry you know, about that. Sorry about that. You know, Andrew. Uh, the middle class in South Africa is this group of people that is not does not belong anywhere. You know. Uh, you said it's the middle class is in the middle of nowhere. They are in the middle of nowhere. They don't belong. Uh, first of all, opposition parties often talk about them to organize some hashtag movement. Because the middle class, they have airtime, of course, and data. <laughs> except when Vodacom <laughs> steals it. Like stole except like yeah. Vodacom, when Vodacom steals it. Exactly. Mm. But they do have data, and they can even yell at Vodacom until it starts uh, reimbursing them and so forth. <laughs> and the problem with the middle class is that, uh, especially the black middle class, it, it's, a question, it's a sense of belonging in South Africa's political system. They, they don't really belong within the DA if you like, because they've got a problem with being disrespected by a party that is dominated by white as they see it, mm -hmm. which patronize them. The party that only listens to them when it wants uh, its own project, such as getting rid of a, a black president, mm -hmm. quote-unquote black president, I mm -hmm. put it that way. And on the other hand, the ANC keeps on reminding this middle class that we made you, you couldn't tweet, you didn't know what is a hashtag until we allowed you to go to school <laughs> and we gave you those state funding. Today you know what is hashtag, you can trend and so forth. Mm. So on the other side, they're being blackmailed by the NC. The NC is saying that uh, uh, you are an indication of our success gone wrong because you, you, are, you are so distant. On the other hand, opposition parties, the DA wants those middle class. But the problem with the DA is that they allow Zillard to say colonialism was actually a very mm. nice, interesting mm -hmm. project. Mm -hmm. It was more like a, uh, you know, a very good historical picnic, if you like. <laughs> you know? And then they are caught in this middle. They are very angry. But if you look at the middle class, sometimes they become reluctant defenders of President Jacob Zuma. I've put it out there. Mm. Reluctant in a sense that when a black leader, when someone such as President Jacob Zuma is found wanting 
And when that uh, the problems are being identified by whites, the middle class has got this thing that once they are done with President Jacob Zuma, they are then spreading that to all other blacks as middle class and so forth. Mm. So it's more like I want to defend President Jacob Zuma, not because I believe in what he's saying, but I think that the I criticism th- he's confronted with, it's actually based on the fundamental suspicion that black people don't know how to think. Yes. Mm. Can you limit your criticism only to Zuma and and make sure that you do not offend black people and a lot of and black. a lot of white people don't know how to do that they don't understand they, when you they, say when they criticize they yeah. go further and you like i man you they go further yeah. exactly yeah. that is one of the reasons why some members of anc in parliament who wanted to vote against jacob zuma they start saying ah, now we're going with the white uh, agenda as mm. we see it mm. they end up reluctantly supporting that so the middle class they are struggling a lot in south africa and i think that uh, well not out they will have no interest in third term i don't think they, they're going to like because institutionally they are very clear they want someone to comply when it comes to the institutions no doubt about mm. it i don't think they will like the the president jacob zuma to to actually go for the third term but also the middle class they don't participate politically they yell and shout about politics from the fans and all that. They don't vote in their higher number. They do not constitute a political action but, uh, uh, within our politics. Ralph, just to, you know, because I, I want to push you it, on this a yes. little bit. I offended the middle class. No, I no, knew no, you no, were no, going to no, come no, back. No, no, no. <laughs> he's coming back. Yeah, he's offended. Me, I'm, I'm, <laughs> me, I'm the middle class. Rory's the upper class. It's fine. But, um, Ralph, I, I want to push you on this because... Yeah. I don't think President Zuma has listened to the middle class ever. He's not considered the middle class. He doesn't care about the middle class, right? So the question really is, is there an opportunity in President Zuma? And I know you're not in his mind, but do you think that he would be smart enough, stupid enough, strategic enough to go for a third term as president of the country? Third, fourth, fifth. Exactly. I I, I I don't think he will go for the, for the third term. There are smarter ways of having a third term without necessarily him being at the forefront of this third term. This project that we spoke about, this first scenario of installing someone is an attempt for him to try to control the party while gone. It's even, it's even in its formality. So it doesn't even have to be a formal, I will be the president of the ANC for yes. infinity. No, it doesn't have to. President Jacob it can be Zuma, quite informal. One thing that he not? does very well, one thing that he does very well is that he is very good when it comes to striking a rapport with the branches of the party. If you look at his communication, he cares a lot about what he says to the branches than what he says to you and me through the uh, elite media based in urban areas. Mm. Actually, in all his misdemeanors, the first point of contact with the people has always been people at the branch level. That's when he speaks his language. Mm. He will apologize today and tomorrow's go to KZN, go to Free State, whatsoever, address ordinary members of the branches and the masses and say to them that, haha, they got me to apologize. It let them eat this, speaking in his own language and so forth. So, does he care about the middle class? Does he not care about the middle class? He cares. If he didn't care, he would not offend them. He's calling them clever blacks. The idea of clever blacks is not just a way for him to demonstrate disdain of the middle class. It is that group of people that is saying that, Please, guys, come my side. I'm the one who understands uh, what uh, concerns you. I'm with you. The mentalists are saying, no, 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 you are not with us. You are not part of us. But him, third term, it is too risky. I don't think he's likely to do that. And I think that uh, actually he's much more in tune with what is happening on the ground But what's the risk? Than, than President Becky was. What's the risk? 
So you're saying it's too risky? Oh, yeah. What, what, what is that? that well, person? I think even if he's pushing the project of trying to install a leader, he's aware that his days in the offices are numbered. He's aware that he's a liability to the NC. He's not dumb about that. Mm. It's just that there are certain things that need to be achieved and so forth. You so know, he's aware of that, I think. I, it's interesting because I'm, I'm just thinking about this. And, and please, Ralph, you probably know more about this than, than, than I do, at least. Um, so that's why we've got you in here. Mm. But I'm just thinking Mandela played a very similar role, didn't he, in a weird way, in that he ended his term but was still incredibly influential about what was going to happen. This is something that is very natural within the ANC. Former leaders, and and, and maybe it didn't work out as well as Talmbeki because Talmbeki, as you say, didn't have the ground support, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas Mandela did have the ground support and was very able mm-hmm. to communicate his way of thinking and his yeah. thought process and that was taken as truth. President Jacob Zuma is very charismatic. If you if you sit with President Jacob Zuma, he outlines his uh, incredibly ludicrous ideas about that. You will listen mm-hmm. to him. He will not talk down on you. You will listen. I have been able to uh, talk to him I, as part of analyst. I've been to the presidential guest house where some reports were launched. He will come out when when he's coming towards you, you start thinking about the bad things you said about him in the media. You start thinking <laughs> that oh god, he, he does have he does have that kind of. He's very disarming, mm. but he's very strategic because that is actually part of the strategy, you know. And and he knows exactly what is going on. He knows that he needs to talk to people who really matter. The people who matter are the branches. And I'll tell you what is going to happen. What I think, what worries me about the manner in which we go about uh, evaluating him and evaluating the NC. Us in urban areas sometimes, we we actually have got this attitude of talking down on people in rural outskirts, blaming them for mm. being electoral fodder for the ANC. Mm. That, my friend, is going to result in a situation where you are going to have this disparity, this juncture between the the, 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 the urban and, 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 and the rural vote. Actually, some NC members will go to rural areas and pay homage, show dignity, show culture, yeah. and win elections. Hmm. So the last one, as we wrap up, what about the possibility that ANC says, look, man, this isn't, this isn't working. Let's make sure that these things disappear, the 783 charges, and you just go to Nkandla and rest. Is that a plausibility? So we just say, look, um, this guy... When does this happen? No, anytime. It could happen now. Where oh. they say, look, And it could happen in different forms. It doesn't have to be on paper. Mm. It doesn't have to be declared. You don't have to see an ANC document uh, with a you know, mm. uh, letterhead yes. written, uh, President Jacob Zuma being recused from... No, you don't have to do that. It can be done in a very smart way. It can be done by way of having your reluctant prosecutor. Mm. Remember... If the court decides President Jacob Zuma has to face those charges, that still does not mean he has to be found guilty. Our law does not say that. He has to go there. And if you have a useless prosecutor... Then if you have a useless yeah. prosecutor, and if you have a prosecutor who actually does not want to prove a case, the idea is that the Afri Forum will then try through Herinel to private, go after President Jacob Zuma. But also, some of us who are impartial on this, we are saying that, have you tried to prosecute the people who dealt with Marigana in a way? You know mm. what I mean? South Africa is a divided society. That is so why divided. these things yeah. don't work because even if uh, the, the private prosecutor can try to go after President Jacob Zuma, all he has to do is to pl- 
build some narrative. His supporters will have to build a narrative that says that, you know what, this is just to embarrass. If these people really care about justice, why is it that uh, Afri Forum is not pursuing Marigana? But anyway, guys, on, on a serious note, mm. they want to take Grace Mugabe's case. Why didn't they start with Marigana as well? <laughs> I have problems. <laughs> Ralph, the last one. There's uh, another one that's doing the rounds that yeah. he could... Uh, create the conditions for a state of emergency, um, create an uprising of some sort. Maybe maybe somebody could, a popular leader could be killed. That creates, a, a, that creates riots, mm-hmm. um, and those riots, in those riots, he declares a state of emergency. He has said before, he's on record, uh, President Zuma, as saying, you know, all I need is two days or whatever to, to, be, to be a dictator, and I will fix all this nonsense that's going on in this country. A state of emergency would relax uh, some of the constitutional provisions. He would be able to do whatever it is he feels he needs to do as a dictator, and then things would get back to normal. Is that, even, is that plausible, a state of emergency alternative? But he has achieved a lot through the democratic dispensation. Mm. I mean, mm. I, I, I imagine why would he want to, democratic. why would he want to escalate it? I must, I, I'll yeah. tell you, I'll do, I'll, let, let, let's do the mathematics a little bit on this one. What is it that he will achieve through the state of emergency that he couldn't achieve through state institution? Mm. Look at how he's been able to stall investigation into uh, state capture without breaking the law. Mm. Well, one thing that you can say about President Jacob Zuma is that he actually does go to court. He's a law-abiding citizen. You know, he's a law-abiding citizen <laughs> who is actually undermining the principles of the law. You yes. can undermine the ethos and the principle of the Constitution while subjecting yourself to particular clauses of the Constitution. Mm. He's doing that very well. So if you want to do state of emergency, Agency, actually, it's more like there's no need for it. It's actually know? to pronounce your 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 strategies. It's actually to it weakens you because yeah, now it, it, it creates yeah. anarchy. Yeah. Why expose yourself to that point while you could follow procedure and force everybody else to accept the result of procedure because mm. they are in a democracy? Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he keeps saying that and this middle class does not understand <laughs> democracy. He he keeps saying yeah, it. He, he says, says it. You of all people don't understand democracy. Yeah. You don't accept. You want to... But remove, why are you pointing at me? You, no, he, plays by the, he plays he by plays, the rules. Yeah, right? he, says, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he comes out, he reads the script that I apologize on Ngandla. Uh, about uh, the constitution having violated the constitution actually he, he, he never said he, he violated the constitution he said that he failed to protect the constitution and then you look at the judgment actually the judgment says that it might have been out of wrong legal advice mm. and so forth mm. so at the end of the day you still have this naive person they show you a picture of him dancing you realize that hmm, he might not understand fully the constitution he does He's using the constitution to get away with a lot of things. Mm, mm, mm. Ralph, wow, this has been incredibly interesting. I, I want to ask you one very simple question. Just, yeah. an, I need a name from you. Besides President Jacob Zuma, who do you think the most dangerous person in the government is right now? Ralph won't answer it if you say dangerous. Who do you think is the most? Because Ralph is, you, you know, Ralph. Oh, what do you want to do? Why are you doing you know this? how these guys play. Watch, oh, he was no. never going to. He was going to answer. Name. Okay, fine. Give us some more Who's the most dangerous person? I mean, come on, guys. You have already discussed the question too far, so I can't answer it that Ah, uh, you see, Rory, what you did he here. He was never going to answer you. I know, Rory. What, what did you want to say? What did you want to say? Who's the most influential person after Jacob Zuma? The most influential person after Jacob Zuma. I think Isma Khashule is extremely influential. <laughs> I think the most dangerous person, actually, who can mobilize the demagogue and get away with it to a certain extent is Isma Khashule. Watch that space. 
And there we have it. There is Rook to F5 checkmate. It is Jacob Zuma's final endgame. Ladies and gentlemen, if you missed any of this show, it's... <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if that, that move actually makes sense in chess. To be I don't play chess. I you should play chess. That's, you'll nah. understand Zoom a bit more. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you missed any of the show, check it out uh, on cliffcentral.com forward slash frankly speaking. Ralph, thank you so much for your time. Good luck with your dissertation. Thank you. And good luck with all those other interests that you have. Thank you. I hope this guy, I hope this guy is not the one that we had before. Hey, you know? <laughs> and if he is, we need to cash in now. <laughs> We must cash in now, because that's what we didn't do with, uh, with, uh, Mr. Mani. No, we didn't do that with Mr. Mani. Mr. Mani woke up a billionaire. I think he was surprised himself. <laughs> what the? How, how, how much did you say? Breaking news. I just spent 150 million. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he just decided to go along. He went along with it. Like, uh, okay, yeah, I mean, if, if yeah, you know. <laughs> Why not? How many notes is there? That's fine. Don't stress about Have yourself a lovely day, and we'll check you next week. Have a good day. Ciao, ciao. This is cliffcentral.com.